Good morning, church. Hope you're alive and well on this beautiful Sunday, challenging Sunday morning, but it's all good, amen? We made it. We made it. We have a little bit of AC, water's on. We're good, right, Mr. Ames? A couple announcements I want you to be aware of this morning. One, say next week. Next week, barbecue. Next week, barbecue. We're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs be served. Uh, if you want anything else thrown on the grill, you're more than welcome to bring it and grill it if you want. The grill will be there. Uh, we will be meeting at Kohler Park uh, sometime after service. So um, probably uh, we get out of service around normally 1130. So I'll say about 1230, 1 o'clock we'll be over there once we get all this cleaned up and drop what we need to drop. And, uh, so if you want to meet us there, um, we'll probably be there for several hours. So you're know, more than welcome to come and join us. Kohler Park's in the corner of Walnut and Beach uh, Avenue in the city of Fontana, and um, hopefully you can uh, come and join us next week. Women's Bible Study is on the 15th. Next Sunday, also, we'll be praying over our kiddos. They all, well, most of them start school tomorrow. I know mine does. Uh, some other ones, I think, start school later on uh, in August, and we'll be praying over them because, you know, they need all the prayer that they can get, um, not because they're, they're bad kids. They're not. It's, it's the other kids that are bad. No, I'm just playing. But no, we, we got to just cover our kids in prayer. Amen. And so we'll be doing that next Sunday. So if you have a child, make sure you're here. And then also continue praying over our building process. As I mentioned last week, uh, uh, we're going to be having to look for a, a new place uh, to conduct services on. We uh, submitted an application on Thursday. We're waiting to hear back from that application and start the negotiation process and that kind of that building. So hopefully we can get that and that smooth selling get in there, get it how we want it, up to par, and then that will be our place of worship 24-7. Amen? So it will be all ours. Uh, someone say amen for no packing. <laughs> amen. <laughs> no uh, 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 trailer and all that stuff. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. So uh, just keep us in prayer as we go through that process, and we'll inform you once uh, we take the next step and um, sign that lease. So uh, uh, that's the announcements there that I have for you. Um, other than that, let's go before the Father in prayer as we dive into the Word and as we take up our tithes and offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, just for, uh, for your presence that's here already, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the uh, ability to meet in this place, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, for the challenges this morning because I know you're still going to be glorified through it all, Heavenly Father. In all our challenges, you are glorified, Lord. And I ask you, Heavenly Father, just to uh, use me as a vessel to bring forth your glory, Lord. Allow us to hear what you want us to hear this morning, Lord. Allow it to penetrate our hearts, Heavenly Father. Allow it to change and, 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 and pluck us and prod us, Heavenly Father, as you want it to be done, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, for the tithes and offering that we're about to receive, Lord. I thank you for the gift and the giver, Lord. I thank you for the funds that are, are coming in, Lord, and what you're, what you're doing with those funds, Heavenly Father, and I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. We'll be in Exodus chapter 15, looking at the verse 21 verses of chapter 15. We were going to jump over to chapter 16, but uh, God says no. We're going to look at 15. And so here we are in chapter 15, starting with verse 1 through 21. And my sermon is titled, Change Your Tune. Someone say that with me. Change Your Tune. thought about it uh, 
during uh, worship, and I thought I should have, should have uh, labeled it change your tude, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, change your tude. Okay, no one got slapped, so we're all good. Last week, we looked at Exodus chapter 14, and we saw what it took to, to have a victorious mindset, and we'll be coming off of what, what we learned last week, and we'll go even further a little bit in that uh, this week. And we saw that the Egyptian army was after the Israelites uh, for, the, for the second time. They were going after them after they were released. And we saw that, that their oppressor in Egypt was coming after them. And, and automatically they accepted what? They automatically accepted defeat. Their mindset, mind, uh, mindset shifted straight to defeat. But we know that that's not what God wanted for the Israelites. We know that's not what God wanted for our life. He doesn't want us to live in defeat. He wants us to live victoriously. Amen? And so last week we learned that in order for us to have a victorious mindset, we must do the following. We must look forward, keep our eyes on Christ at all times, right? Look forward. We must not be afraid. We must stand firm. We must also um, uh, 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 be still, which remember what be still meant? Be still meant to surrender to God, to surrender and also to zip it, be quiet, shut our mouth sometimes and surrender to God. And then we must move. And that's the action. That's the faith is moving how God wants us to move. And we saw that God used Moses to do what? He parted the Red Sea. And once he parted the Red Sea, what happened? The Israelites were able to walk on dry ground to the other side, and all the Egyptians what, were wiped out from the water, right? When, when, once it was all said and done, they were killed, and Israel received victory. Now, it's interesting, and I saw this the last few weeks about the Red Sea and how some people try to break that down and say it didn't happen and say it wasn't a miracle. And what they say is, you know, the part of the uh, sea that the Israelites walk across was only a few inches uh, tall, and so really what it was was they walked through it, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, my, my theory, and what I've, I've, I've heard others say is, if that was the case, then the bigger miracle was having the Egyptian army drown in a few inches of water, right? So either way, it was a miracle. Either God's part of the, the Red Sea, and they walked the dry land, or this, 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 this uh, army who was trained in, 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 in just a machine drowned in a few inches of water. No one drowns in a few inches of water, especially if you're a soldier. You don't do that, right? And so we see either way, it was a miracle performed by God. Either they crossed the Red Sea or the Egyptians drowned in a few inches of water. But we know what the story is. We know what the Bible says. And we know that God parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry ground. And as soon as they reached the shore, what did the Israelites do? They started worshiping. They started worshiping God. And what's interesting is, right before this, right in chapter 14, like we saw last week, what, did, what was the Israelites doing? They were complaining. They were whining. They were grumpy. They were blaming uh, uh, Moses. Why did you bring us out to the desert just to die? Was there not enough graves in Egypt? What are you doing with us? We don't like this. You know, and they were just a bunch of miserable, just negative people, right? And so we see that, that uh, uh, they, they um, received this victory, and they went to the other side, and they began to worship. And for the Israelites, this is a scenario that's going to replay over 
and over and over again for the next 40 years for them, from them. They complain God was working and they don't see it. They finally see it. They worship God. Time lapses from the miracle. They lose sight of who God is. They complain. They whine. God moves and shows himself again. They worship God again. Time lapses, and it's the same over and over again. And I'm sorry to say, but that's similar to our lives as well. When God does a miracle in our lives, we're on fire for him. We worship him. We come to church every Sunday. We read our word. We're in, in, in worship. And then all of a sudden, time lapses, and we go further away from God. We forget what God does. We whine. We complain. God, God does the miraculous in our life again, and we're back to step one. We're worshiping, and, and, and we're faithfully doing what we need to do. It's a, it's a cycle, and that's what the Israelites did. It was a cycle. Amen? We're very similar in that. But let me tell you this. They lost or they changed the tune to their song. They lost the tune to their song. We go from an attitude of complaining to one of worship back to complaining because we lose our song. And what is our song? What is our song? And I'll tell you exactly what our song is here in just a second. There is, there's five or six things I want us to see this morning. Let me tell you this, you have a reason to worship. Say that with me. I have a reason to worship. Regardless of how bad things get in life, regardless of what comes against you, you have a reason to worship. And we'll see five reasons this morning. The first thing I want us to see, it's not in our text, but I wanted to make it plain and clear. The first thing is, I want you to see is you have a song. Say it with me. I have a song. I have a song. Your song may not have melody. It may not be able to be sung. But let me tell you this. You still have a song, and your song needs to be displayed and to be worshipped. Not your song itself, but you need to worship using your song. And what is your song? Your song is your life. This morning, we're going to see a song. It's titled, it's titled The Song of Moses and Miriam. And this song is actually a song. Don't let me, don't put melody to it because I have no clue how it goes. But it's a song written. And what we see here, what a song is, it's a short poem or other set of words set to music. That's what we know a song is. That's what a song is. But the question this morning is, what is the words to your song? What are the words to your song? The words are not hard to, to discover at all. They're, they're, they're in plain sight. They're in your history. They are in your presence. They could be possibly in your future. The words to your life song is, what has God done in your life? What has he done in your life? That is the words and the lyrics to your song. Every believer should sing a song to the Lord, not because we have a good voice. I know I was here from the praise team. I'm up here praising whatever, and Austin goes, so you want the mic this Sunday? And I was like, yeah, to preach, but not to sing, right? And it's not happening. But we don't sing, we don't worship because we have great voices or we're talented. That's not what I'm talking about. It has everything to do with what God has done in your life. That is the words to your song. Amen? You hear me this morning? Amen. Everything to do with what God has done in your life. 
Praise is the natural response from those who have experienced God's grace. Praise is the natural response to those who have experienced God's grace. What did the Israelites do after the exodus? What did they do after their, 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 their second victory over the Egyptians? They began to worship. They, it was their song that they carried. It was what God has done in their life. And a worship is defined as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Adoration is defined as deep love and respect. So why do we worship? We worship because it's our expression of deep love and respect for our God. That's why we worship. Amen? You have a song and it needs to be sung. Not vocally, doesn't need to be written down in terms of lyrics. You're not going to, you know, all of us are not going to go join Austin in the praise band, although he may like some, some he may not like, but depending <laughs> how gifted we are, what I'm talking about, the song is of our life, what I'm talking about this morning is what has God done in your life? That's what it is. That's what your song is about. But let me tell you about the issue with our song. Can I be, to be frank with you, the issue with our song is it's based off of what God is currently doing in our life or currently not doing in our life and not off the basis of what God has done in our life. What I mean by that is we allow the circumstance that we are currently in or the events that we currently see Form and take precedence over our song. And the next thing you know, we're just like the Egyptians. We're complaining and we're whining and we're ungrateful because God's not doing something right now. And we totally forget what God has done yesterday or three days ago or three years ago or 10 years ago. And we, we forget about all of it because all we're focused on is our current situation and what we're in. And it brings gum, uh, uh, grumbling, complaining, and we're unsatisfied. And the next thing we know, we are singing a different tune. Tune, not a tune that we are supposed to be singing, but it's a different tune because we allow our faith be, to be shaped by our circumstance. Do not allow your faith to be shifted and changed by your circumstance. Your song should remain the same. If not, it should actually get better because as we grow older, we have a longer list of what God has done in our life. Amen? My my my. My list is not as long as Bill's list. Brother Bill's list is a little longer because he's a little older, not by much, a few years, but he's a little older. And so his list and his song is greater than mine because he's been alive and I know he's been faithful to God and he's seen God work in his life. And so he can look back and his song is a little, big old giant long song of what God has done in our lives. And it's not based on what he's doing or what he's not doing in our lives. But the, Egypt, but the Israelites were like that. They saw the Egyptians coming and all of a sudden they want to give up and they changed their tune because now they're defeated and they're not living victoriously as God ordained them to live. Amen? Do not allow your current circumstances to affect your song. Your song should remain the same. Why? Or get better. Why? Because the song is not about us. It's about what he has done in our lives. It focuses off of us, and the focus is put on him. Amen? Let me ask you a question this morning. If God doesn't do what you're praying for, 
Does that negate who God is? It shouldn't. But so many times we hear that from people, I lost faith in God. Why? Because he didn't do this or he didn't do that. Well, are you sure he hasn't done it? Are you sure maybe he's done it and it looks different than what you wanted? In reality, he's done it. You just don't notice because you're looking for something else. Or maybe you've given up because you put a God on your time limit and not his time limit. And it shapes us and it shifts us and it changes our song. There's five reasons for our song this morning that we find in our text. Follow along with me. This morning we're going to be reading out of Exodus 15. Verse 1 through 10 to start off with, and it says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver has he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name, Pharaoh's chariots and his army. He has hurled into the sea, and the best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sink to the depths like a stone. Verse 6 says, Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up. Surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters con congealed in the hearts of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide their spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. That's what the enemy said in verse 10. It says, but, someone say but. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. They were destroyed. Doesn't matter what the enemy says about you. Doesn't matter. What matters is at the end, the enemy will be destroyed. And why would they be destroyed? I'll tell you why. The second thing we need to see is seeing is because God is victorious. Amen? That's why your enemies will be complete, annihilated, is because we are victorious because God is victorious. The Israelites were singing because God was victorious. You know, this was directly the result of what happened in the final verse in chapter 14. Chapter 15, verse 1 starts with the word then. Then connects on chapter 15 with connects to chapter 14 and the last uh, verse in chapter 14 says and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egypt the people feared the Lord put their trust in him and in Moses his servants right that's what it was it was when they saw the Lord display his mighty hand that they, they then put their trust in him it wasn't happening last week in chapter 14 they weren't putting their trust and them, right, because they couldn't see victory because they viewed it as they were defeated. They couldn't view victory. And when they saw God in their life and they saw God move in their life, in verse 1 it says, then I will sing to God. Then we will sing to God because we've seen God work in our lives. They should have been singing all together because if you remember before this, they had the cloud uh, during the, the day and the, the, the pillar of light during the night, which was God, and was in front of them all the, all the time. But somehow they lost their song. And they lost it some way. They lost their tune. Worship is something we do under God. 
It's nothing that we do unto man. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest singer or the worst singer. It doesn't matter if you dance or you stand still. It doesn't matter if you stand or you sit. Worship is something that we do to God. We do not do unto man. God is not sitting there with a scorecard. Back in the day, I used to love watching American Idol. And, you know, Simon Cowell was the, the man, right? And he would, you know, that was just horrible. You know, you, you shouldn't sing ever again. He was very blunt and honest. God's not sitting there like Simon Cowell in heaven and saying, what you doing? Your worship is horrible. He's not doing that. He's not, he's not sitting there judging us. He wants our worship because he is worthy of our worship. And throughout the Bible, you know what the, the, the score in the lost column for God is? Zero. Thousand percent. His winning percentage is a thousand percent, meaning it's perfect, absolutely perfect. He hasn't lost a battle yet, and we know what the end will be, the revelations, and we know he never will lose a battle, but it's hard for us to become victorious, and I don't understand that because, and I do it myself, because God is victorious, Amen. Let me ask you this question. I was dwelling on it this week. What would happen if we, if we lived our life and God's victory instead of our defeat? Let me, re, let me re, 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 re say that. What would happen if we live in God's victory instead of our defeats? See, so many times what we do is we live in our defeats and not in God's victory. We don't live in God's victory. How would our song, how would our life be different if we start viewing it in God's victory instead of viewing life or living life in our defeats? We're going to have defeats, but how do we approach those defeats? Is it with victory because who our God is, or do we stay in that mindset of defeat instead of walking in our victory amen like i mentioned earlier what god does or does not do in our life has no effect on who he is it does not negate who he is doesn't matter what he does doesn't matter what he doesn't do god is still god you know sometimes i think we negate what god does you know, and, and I thought about this, and I, something I need to start doing is I need to start having a journal of the big things, of the small things that God has done, everything in between that God has done in my life. And when I look like I'm defeated or I look like I'm discouraged or if I feel discouraged, I look back at that list and say, look what God has done in my life. Look at everything that God has done in my life. Look at that. And you look at that and you say, that was a victory. This was a victory. My children's birth was a victory. You know, my wife is a victory. My job is a victory. You know, you look at these little things. You know, there's sometimes I, there was an accident, a big accident, uh, um, stopped the 215 freeway on Monday or Tuesday, and I called Nathania. I said, it's going to take me 30 minutes to travel two miles. I said, so I'll be there when I get, back, get, get home. And I had to get home and shower to get back and work. And she goes, well, view it as praise God. Because that could have been you if you left your, your buddy's house 10 minutes earlier. Like you could have been in that accident. Praise God. And you, we don't think of those things, but we need to worship God and say, you know what? Praise God. Because I could have been. It could have been me. Praise God for those small victories. 
we must do is we must change our tune to one of victory because the God we serve is what? Victorious. Second thing I want us to see, we're going to go back, or the third thing technically, found in verse 2. It says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. What, what is the key verse, a key word in that verse? The word what? My. The word my. My strength, my defense. He has, he has become my salvation, my God, and I will praise him, and my, my Father's God. So five times in one verse, he uses my. What does that mean? Third thing I want us to see, it means seeing because God is personal. He's personal. And I know it sounds cliche. We've said it before. God is personal. As the Israelites sing about their victory, they make it personal. They sing, the Lord is what? My strength. Someone say, my strength. The Lord is my strength. When we allow God to be our strength, he will also be our song. We will sing because our victory rests in his strength. Charles Spurgeon says it best. He says, note the word is not the Lord gives me strength. Listen to what he says. The, Lord, the word is not the Lord gives me strength, but the Lord is my strength. He said, how strong is a believer? He said, I say it with reverence. He is as strong as God. That's bold. He is as strong as God. Why? Because the Lord is my strength. Amen? The Lord is my strength. And there's all kinds of verses. We can look at Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what happens if we look at it and read for what it is? You know, he does give us strength, but what about if we rephrase it to say he is my strength? He is my strength. If he is my strength, that means my strength is his strength. If he gives me strength, that means he adds to my strength. What it is is my strength and his strength is together because he is my strength. Amen? And also, you know what it does? It takes me out of the equation altogether. He's not adding to our strength. He is my strength. Amen? Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. God is our strength. He is my strength. Make it personal. Amen? It's time for us to make God personal God. Don't make him far away. Don't make him just some, uh, uh, some in individual that's just totally un untouchable, that's unapproachable. Stop doing that with God. He is a personal God. You know what's nice about this too? Is my victory is your victory. Your victory is my victory. The Israelites' victory was our victory. Why? How can I claim a victory? How can, Mickey, how can I claim your victory? You know how I can claim your victory and you can claim mine? Because we serve the same God. We serve the same God. And so at that point, we don't need to look at it and say, well, why is God doing this and that to, you know, Mickey and he's not doing it to me? 
Well, then grab his victory and say, if he did it to Mickey, he can do it for me because we serve the same God. And so we need to worship with the same victory because if he's done it for somebody, he'll do it for somebody else because we serve the same God. Amen? That's amazing when you think about it. The psalmist writes in Psalms 118.14, he says, The Lord is my strength. In my defense, he has become my salvation. Very similar to what we read in Exodus. The New Living Translation, I like it, it says this. It says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. The Lord is my strength and my song, my tune, my, my, my history. The Lord is my, amen? They go on in Exodus 15 and said they go on and say, God is, is my God, He is my Father, and I will praise and exalt Him. God is on your team. I'm gonna tell you this. I played on teams where I had to be the, the man per se. I had to go out there and for us to be competitive, had to put in the work and had to play 40 minutes a game, and, and it was tough. But there was times, I remember uh, when I was in eighth grade, there was a guy named, by the name of uh, Tyson Chandler. He played in the Lakers this past year. Been in the NBA for, I don't know, 18 years, something like that. He, he got invited to our team, and he played a tournament with us. This guy was like six, seven, in eighth grade. You know, when you have an all-star like that, the load gets a little lighter and it becomes a little easier, right? Because he's part of my team at that point. That's God. Not saying God is Tyson Chandler by no means, but what I'm saying is I'm using that analogy that when God is on our team, He'll He'll take the load a little bit because He's my God. We have an all-star God, Amen. In Romans 8:31, I'm reminded if God is for us, who can be against us? He is on your team. We have to view Him as personal. Change your tune to the God who is personal. The fourth thing. Verse 11 through 12, he says, Who among the God is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. The fourth thing we sing is because God is unique. What does that mean? It means that there's no others like God. No others like God. Is there anyone that comes close to God? Nobody. He's unique. Amen? Psalms 86, 8 says, Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. But you know what's hard for us? It's hard to separate God and humans. We relate to God as we relate to humans. We relate to God as we relate to our wife or our husband. We relate to God as our father, our, our earthly fathers, our earthly mothers. We relate to God as these things, and we struggle with understanding the uniqueness of God. We struggle with understanding the uniqueness of, of me, let alone the uniqueness of God. We struggle with that. Some struggle with God loving because they were hurt by man. Some have trust issues because they, they were hurt and they done wrong by man. The list can go on and on because what we do is we forget the uniqueness of God and we relate to God with our earthly father or our earthly mother or earthly whatever. And we relate to that and God is different because he's unique. There's nobody ever like him ever. 
Everything we do compare God to our own experiences because that, as human beings, is what we know. Right? God's not human. We see this in Numbers 23, 19. He says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God is unique. Amen? What needs to happen is we must change the tune on how we view God. The fifth thing, verse 13 through 16, he says, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed, and your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble, anguish, and will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your army, they will be as still as a, the, uh, as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you brought pass by. The fifth thing we've seen is because God cares. Say it with me. God cares. In his unfailing love, God led his people in mercy, redeeming them, guiding them, taking them out of their slavery, upholding them with their strength, and taking them to the promised land. Verse 14 through 16 says, shows us how God cares for his people. All the nations will hear about it, and it will bring fear to the enemies, and their enemies would melt away. When they took the promised land, their enemies melted away. Even when the 12 tribes came back, 12 spies came back and said, no, it's just too much. And they went ahead and they took the city and, and they just melted away. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We can change the tune and it could be different because he cares for you. In his word your anxiety, your worries, your burdens that we carry. He wants them. He wants them. He wants them. Why? Because he cares for you. No one's going to carry your burdens. You have friends. You have family. You have church members. They'll come together and they'll help you. But you know what? That burden, no one wants that burden. But God says, bring him to me because I can do something with them and I care for you. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. What is Jesus saying? He says, come to me because I care for you. Amen? I ask you, what song have you been singing or what song have you not been singing? Because your burdens and your worries and your concerns are weighing you down. And he says, bring me your cares and your worries and your burden. And I'm jumping the gun because I'm going to tell you about this in a minute. And he says, I'm going to give you a new song. I'm going to give you a new life. I'm going to give you and I'm going to take away those stuff in your life. I'm going to give you newness in Christ. Amen. We can't sing a song of our life of what God has done when we are too oppressed by the weight of our burdens and our worries and our concerns. Amen? 
It's time to change our tune. Why? Because he cares for us. The last thing really quickly. Verse, the sixth thing. Verse 17, he says, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, and, and, uh, uh, over them. but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Verse 20, then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tim timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam saying to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The last thing I want us to see this morning is sing because God is our deliverer. Amen? He delivered the Israelites from the hands of Egypt, the Egyptians. He gave them freedom. He's taking them to the wilderness. If they can just get the lesson, they wouldn't have to take 40 years. And he's giving them a promised land. Deliverance. Verse 17 tells us that God will bring them in and plant them on the mountaintop that was what? Of your inheritance, the place he set aside for him. Verse 18, he says, the Lord reigns is, is what? Forever and ever, which means he'll be victorious forever and ever and ever, and we can keep going on with evers. When we are delivered, when we are saved, God takes us from our sin, from our troubles, from our issues, and he gives us an inheritance of everlasting life. Amen? Everlasting life. Let me tell you that. If you don't have a song to sing, that's your song right there. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. We shouldn't be a people who say they don't have a song to sing. You have a song to sing? You have a song to sing, right? Don't be a person, people that we don't have a song to sing. We have a song to sing. Don't be a person who acts defeated or acts downtrodden or downcast. Because I'm going to tell you this, God has delivered us from our sin. God has delivered us from our death. And he has given us reason to worship this morning. Amen? But it's time for us to change our tune because he has delivered us. Let me tell you, we all have a song to sing. But what we must do is we must make sure that we are singing the correct song. The correct song. You may be singing a song and it may sound like God, I don't think you're far away. I don't think you can help me out. I really don't have faith in you today. And that's your song you're singing and you're living it and you're walking in it and you're breathing in it and, and, and you're pouring it over. Or you can have a song to sing and say, God, this is my deliverance. You're my hope. You're my victory. I walk in you. I move forward in faith. I continue moving on. And that's your song to sing. It's your song to sing. What has God done in your life? There's some of us who've been listening to the wrong channel. If you got to turn that tuner. I know we don't have tuners no more, but you got to change that tuner. You got to hit next on that Samsung Galaxy 10 or whatever you have. I don't know. Hit next, skip, right? Stop replaying the same song over and over and over again. 
I, I grew up in the 90s. I love 90s music. My wife always says, what are you doing listening to this 90 music? Just turn this mess off. You know, and I was like, hey, it's, it's 90s music, you know. Or I love my 2000 countries, you know. I put my 2000 country on and listen to my Toby Keith or whatever. And we replay the old song over and over and over again. It gets old. It gets tiring. It gets worn. God's here to say, I'm giving you a new song to be sang. Amen? It's a new song to be sang. It's time to change the tune. You have an option of changing it. And there's some of us that need a changing of a tune. You've been listening to the wrong song for far too long. Far too long. I've over the last few weeks, God has really been working with me in terms of having a different outlook, singing a different song. And I remember I, I heard somebody on Friday, and they, they just talked to them for just a second, and I thought, man, that's just really negative. And I, and, I, and I viewed it, and I was like, man, you know, some of the things that come out of our mouths, some of the things that we put out there, some of the things that we, we worship with this mouth, and, the, and, and then we say something that's totally contradicting than what we believe. And I remember God saying, you, you need to walk with a new song. I've given you a new song. Live by your new song. Stop playing the old song over and over again. Let me tell you how many times you turn on, I know I'm dating myself again, but you turn on the radio, right? I know radio is still a thing, but you turn on the radio or you turn on your MP3 player or whatever it is nowadays, right? And you listen to your Pandora or Spotify or iHeart Music or whatever it is. How many of those stations can you listen to all at once? One. Only one. Because if you listen to two, you're not listening to anything. You just listen to a bunch of garbage. But if that one that we're listening to is a bunch of garbage, if we're feeding ourselves garbage, and what's going to be come out of our mouth in our song is going to be garbage. we got to change the tune. Amen? Change our song. Change the negative, the thought process, what comes in. And so that way, when we, what comes out is not that same negative garbage. Amen? I'm going to leave you with Psalms 40, verse 3. He's putting, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. He put a new song in my mouth. Say that with me. He put a new song in my mouth. He put a new song in my mouth. You know what time is? It's time that we start singing it. Amen? It's time that we start singing it. There's plenty of reasons to change your tune. Change it. Stand as I close in prayer, and I know we went a little later. Some good stuff, church. He put a new song in my mouth. I'm going to leave you with that this morning after we close in prayer. Say that with me. He put a new song in my mouth. Okay. Now let's say that you believe it. He put a new song in my mouth. Say it with me now. He put a new song in my mouth. Amen. Now walk in that new song. Amen. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. I thank you for your encouragement, Lord. I thank you for your newness, Heavenly Father. I thank you for everything that you've given us, Lord Jesus. And today, you say, today your mercies are new. Today, you say that, that we have a new song in our mouth, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, as we walk out these doors, Lord, that that new song will be betrayed on how we live, how we speak, how we think, how we communicate, Lord, how we socialize and everything in between, Heavenly Father, because you have given us a new song song in my mouth, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I ask you, Lord, as we leave this place, Heavenly Father, allow us to dwell on, on your word, Heavenly Father. Allow it to speak and come to life to us, Heavenly Father, today, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I ask you, Lord, as we leave this place, that you protect us and you keep us safe, Heavenly Father, till our next get-together, Lord, next Sunday, Heavenly Father, in your presence. We thank you for that, Lord. And in, in, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you need prayer, come up front. If not, God bless you. Have a great Sunday.